Greetings, lovely listeners. You are listening to Saga, a podcast where a dude and a chick discuss art and animation. Hello and good day to all. Thank you for listening to Saga Podcast with Sarah and Garrison. Today we will be discussing three movies because we are adding a bonus this week. So we're going to have Howl's Moving Castle, Ponyo, and The Wind Rises. Hope you enjoy. Spoiler alert. This audio may contain spoilers, so please proceed with caution or an open mind. I don't care. So there's no news this week, um, probably for the best, because like Sarah said, we have um, a few a few more movies to cover. So uh, first is Howl's Moving Castle, which started production in September of 2001, uh, which is soon after the release of Spirited Away. And um, this movie is, is loosely relatively loosely based on Diana Wynn Jones's book of the same name, Mamaru Hosoda, uh, who you may know from Summer Wars or The Girl Who Leapt Through Time and a lot of other works, very talented artist and director. He was originally meant to direct the film, but uh, cre- creative differences came up with him and the studio. So they ended up abandoning the project for about six months but Miyazaki came in and he was inspired by it he spoke with Jones and um, you know she gave the the she gave her uh, her approval and um, yeah they started working on the movie and it came out in November of 2004 it seems like he likes to work with a lot of other art authors that have already written stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, like a lot of his works seem to be like based on like uh, like European like children's stories or something, you know. Mm. But yeah. So the plot, the plot of this movie um, is it's about a young girl, roughly about 18, 19 years old. uh her name is Sophie. She's a hat maker, and she encounters this this uh, powerful wizard named Howell. And when the two meet, it their fates are basically entwined, and they're forever bound to one another. And there, there's an evil witch witch named uh, the Witch of the Waste, and she turns so- Sophie into a 90 year old woman, and Sophie has to, you know, she she leaves her 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 home in search of a way to break this curse, and they encounter, you know, like create like there's this war and there's these there's like like a fire demon, uh, and like child sorcerers. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And I would say out of all of his, his movies, this one has some of the most replay value because it's really like there are lots of questions that aren't answered and you can probably find different um clues for each time that you watch it this is perhaps one of my favorite movies yeah uh um Miyazaki himself said that 
my this was one of his favorite works so uh yeah uh, and and what inspired him to direct this or or what was running through his mind when when he di directed this was the Iraq war like he like he was very anti-war he mm. considers himself a pacifist um and you know this was around the time you know 2001 uh 2002 three where the war was hot uh it was um a a world-changing event, I guess you could say. And that's interesting that it was inspired yeah. by something that happened here in America, mm -hmm. but it affected everybody. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, uh, thoughts. Any other thoughts on this? There are so many scenes in this movie that I just I lose it. Like I have such a giddy feeling about this movie and i think this is probably one of the only films that actually shows a love interest between the main character like the main character and then i guess the protagonist another protagonist a romantic love yeah yep yeah and, and i'm not sh sure if i buy it in the movie version because because it it seems pretty abridged and, and and like and like sped up like things like their relationship isn't thoroughly explained and for most of it it seems pretty one-sided hmm. uh, but i wonder if the books uh from from what i've read uh plot wise about the book it seems like a lot of things were cut out um, you know, like it's kind of glossed over the fact that they're like interested in each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, let's see. What? Okay. So this film sort of covers the 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 theme that I've noticed in some of his other works, in that the antagonist slash the foil character, their relationship with the protagonist changes about half about halfway through. Cause, okay, because in Spirited Away, the baby, uh, who, whose name escapes me, uh, No Face, and some other characters, they sort of serve as as, as like obstacles for the main character. But ha but halfway through, they transform and they become allies, right. which is sort of the case with this one, where the witch of the waste and the dog, like sort of become assets to Sophie. And I love how creepy the Witch of the Waste was in the beginning. And then she just like upped her upped her game once she got her powers taken away of like creepiness. Like the level of creepiness just like went way, <laughs> way higher. Cause she's got this like fascination with stealing young men's hearts. And she's like this old lady, this frail old lady, and she just wants to take them and hold on to them. I don't know what she's gonna do with it, but she's gonna take it. Well, you gotta, you gotta live somehow. You know, you gotta have have some uh, uh, meaning to your life. So, and hers is st stealing hearts, I guess. And yeah, like what happens to her in the end? Does she just like hang out with like Howl and? Um, Sophie until she dies like does she ever get her powers back 
you know, that's never really explained. And she never turns into a witch again. So she just stays this old, frail lady. There's Turnip Head. And then, I don't it's a crazy story. There's a lot going on. <laughs> and then they raise this, like, little child to be another wizard who's not Sophie's. It's a complicated story. I gotta read the book. Yeah, uh, the books are actually a trilogy. But what's interesting is, is from what I've briefly read, uh, like, plot-wise, the middle one is... It's called The Castle in the Air. And, and, it, and it's... And it's inspired by the uh, the the Arabian Nights uh, stories, mm. and yeah, and it involves mostly different characters. Uh, but the third book, all of the original characters come back, and and it yeah, uh, it seems very interesting, very interesting. Yeah, um, it makes me want to read the book. I, it's not a manga, is it? No, it, it's it's written by a British author. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. But uh, you have a note here that says neck neck fat looks disgusting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that was an interesting choice um, for that character. Uh, it was. You're talking about the witch of the waste, right? Yeah. Like 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 her her. Okay. Um, you know turtlenecks. Yeah. Right. So like her chin was tucked behind. Her neck fat. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah, they really make her look creepy. And she, you know, she's redeeming in some ways. But at the same time, she's creep factor of this mm -hmm. film. <clears throat> Anything uh, yeah. else on this um, film? Uh, okay, so I like how they, they made Sophie sort of okay so when she transformed she in many ways became wiser she became more, like wiser and uh like like more comfortable yeah and that's um a trope in a lot of the movies and i think i referenced this in the first episode that we did about month of miyazaki um where the lead female may go through a transformation from and for, is has to do with hair so something about hair and like changing a character's hair is so predominant in his films and sophie had a long braid to begin with and then she ends up le getting it cut off for save to save the whole family i guess is what you would call it but it's the the transformation is that that a a woman becomes stronger maybe by losing the the length of their hair it's like a sacrifice and i think that's pretty popular in japanese culture um it happens in another film in um princess mononoke when the prince ashitaka cuts his hair and that you know that it's a symbol of sacrifice yeah it's a symbol of of uh, of like shedding your old self and and you're something new now like you're you've ascended you're you, you've grown hmm. uh but yeah so miyazaki has stated that many of his female characters including sophie were inspired by his mother 
which we mentioned in the first episode when Miyazaki was was six, she was diagnosed with spinal tuberculosis. And, you know, she spent many years of her life bedridden. And Mm. when Miyazaki was working on Nausicaa is when she she died. And so that was about like 35 years or or so she spent, you know, suffering. And and, and, uh, that took a toll on on him and and uh he re- regrets not not being there for her in her final moments and yeah it's hmm. pretty tragic i story. know um and you can go back to this episode but in the episode that we talk about nausicaa they push the last the last bits of this movie out really really far like they they get it done in a year this whole film they get it done in a year and they they basically have to work their butts off in like the last month of this film so if that says anything um about his experience maybe he was mourning before all of that and then once she died then they kind of had to like push really hard to get it to get the movie out Mm. yeah one year is insane like uh, that's incredible but i definitely recommend this movie it's really interesting it's probably one of my tops of of his uh yeah definitely go go check it out on to panyo okay so our next movie is panyo and this movie is just so so cute and um i have a love for the sea and for the ocean and every little creature that is in the sea and i think that this um this film was kind of dedicated to saving the oceans in some way to kind of like bring awareness to all the living creatures in the sea. You know, everybody has seen the little mermaid. We all, we all know what's going down on there and we see the aerial plane with some trash, but to um, see the power of the ocean in like this beautifully animated film is amazing. So this film was originally named uh, Ponyo on the Cliff of the Sea, but, you know, we all like short titles, so (laughs) it's just Ponyo. Um, It's a 2008 film, and it was done by Miyazaki, directed by Miyazaki. It made $200 worldwide. It's such an extraordinary film. I think you can find it on Netflix still, if I can remember right. You know what? No, it's not on Netflix. Forget I said that. I think it's just Mary and the Witch's Flower that's on Netflix. But once Ghibli gets their streaming service up, you can probably watch it then for probably a small fee, like we will be watching it. Um, <laughs> so this film is basically The Little Mermaid, but better, I think, because it doesn't like include this like ah like a prince like it's there's no prince charming Mm -hmm. it's just like this little boy named sasuke (laughs) and he like happens upon this tiny little fish that is ponyo after a giant storm and she gets she escapes and she like gets swept up onto the rocks and he saves her he feeds her some ham she starts to become human and it's an issue because like king neptune which is her father and of the king of atlantis 
strongly disagrees with it and he wants her back she's like no i'm not doing it dad this is not gonna happen same thing that happened little mermaid you know no one wants their daughter to be like a human no one wants their daughter to be human <laughs> basically i think is the the moral of the story here just be a fish don't be human be a fish um yeah i mean there's really not much to it other than the beauty of this animation this is one of the films that I like to kind of watch in the background because the music is amazing. The scenery is amazing. At any time, if you look up in the movie, you're gonna, I feel like I'm at home when I watch this. No matter where I'm at, it's like, I could watch this on an airplane and I, ha I hate airplanes and I would feel at home. Hmm. This was intended i think to be a miyazaki's last film that he worked on um because he didn't initially direct mary and the witch's flower but this was supposed to be his last film and he ended up of course like we'll get to this but he ended up making other films after that but this well, was well from from what i've read uh after ponyo he was actually planning a ponyo sequel from from what i've read but that's we'll, very possible but but we'll talk more about that on the wind rises go, go okay on. okay well i mean that's really all i have there's a ton of magic in this um yeah i mean that's it like if you've seen if you've seen the little mermaid or if you know the story you know not like the old germanic version where like the the soul of the the person that finds the <laughs> the, the mermaid gets eaten or whatever like it's the it's the child version. It's very child friendly. If you have kids, this is the perfect film. Yeah, I haven't seen this, so I can't really in give my input. So, oh, that's too bad. It's, yeah. I mean, it shows the wrath of the ocean, and you know, in Japan, they get a lot of tsunamis, um, as well as monsoons and whatever kind of weather like that involves anything dangerous happens in Japan. So it's it's amazing. Um, to see the wrath of the ocean in this film. I'm glad that he did a water film. Like, he's done an air film. He's done a lot of air films, you know? And, like, um, <clears throat> a lot of movies that involve, like, floating things. But this is, like, underwater. Like, a predominant part of the film is all underwater. And just to see how he portrays it is so cool. Yeah, it, it looks very nice. And... And I was watching a documentary called uh, 10 Years with Miyazaki. And um, most, like half of the series is talking about um, his his work on Ponyo and how he felt that his age was ca was catching up, up to him and how even his grip wasn't as strong as it used to be. And he had to use mm -hmm. like a, a softer lead pencil and... and um, Mizaki wasn't like he, like he was never fond of doing the same thing twice. Like he he wants to keep making new things and and experimenting. So uh, yeah yeah he he it's, it's kind of sad you know watching and hearing his thought process on on like why he does he he, he does this and and what he says is that. Is that he basically wants to make movies that like that that can like help people and shape the future 
but he says, you know, um, yeah, that's not likely, and we're all gonna <laughs> die, and it's gonna be our fault. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the, you said that it's uh, 10 years of Miyazaki, is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend this. I've seen little bits and pieces, and I still have to go back and watch all of it. Um, but they're, you know, it's like 10 episodes and they're each an hour long. So it's one of those things you got to sit down and really dedicate some time to. So let's move on to our final film, which is The Wind Rises. Okay, The Wind, wa- the, the, the wind Rises. It's the a wind, poster. Yeah. The Wind, the wind rises. rises is Miyazaki's currently last film. Uh, back in two, 2009, Miyazaki was writing a short manga called called The Wind Rises with a very similar premise to the movie but it it featured like pig people like in Pocoroso like pig people mm. and Miyazaki draws himself as a pig in in like certain things like he has a fascination with pigs like he 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 turned the parents into pigs and spirited away mm. yeah he has some sort of pig fetish maybe he was born in the year of the pig not that he's chinese that's the chinese zodiac don't listen to me maybe oh uh also in Hal's <laughs> moving castle the characters ate bacon and in ponyo they had, <laughs> they had this ramen with like ham in it <laughs> maybe he just really likes the taste of pig yeah. <laughs> but um all right so yeah so back in 2009 he wrote this manga um which was featured in like playing magazines and this what and he, this wasn't planned for a movie but during this time uh, he co-wrote Arietti in 2009 and from up on poppy hill in 2013 and what's interesting about from up on poppy hill is that his son directed that that movie hmm. and him and his son have a very interesting history I know that they kind of have some disdain for each other. Kind kind of. Now, Miyazaki was an absent father. Like, he wasn't really there in his his son's life. Um, he had him when he was 26. And he spent most of his time, you know, you know at, working on, you know, at, animations and, and such so you know he didn't really have much time to spend with them mm. but when they did spend time with each other Miyazaki would like he'd like to animate things for him because it would make his son happy but the you know later in his, his life Miyazaki became more popular and Goro his son felt that he was living in the shadow of his father because because he because he he said that people would would look past him to get to his father ah yeah, they'd be yeah. like hey goro like how are you how, doing today doing? <laughs> yeah how are you doing today but really how's your dad doing because like he's the only one that matters <laughs> right mm. Yes, but you know, in his like twenties or something, Goro, he um, he wanted to get into 
landscaping and architecture or something like that but that that was that wasn't really his calling so let, later he picked up on animation and actually um his his like first animation work period was him di- directing the hmm. tales of earthsea which which was his first movie um from up on poppy hill was his second um and that's a big that's a big step from not animating to director yeah yeah and, and his father even said that he wasn't ready but he, he you know he did it anyway and it critically it did quite well but uh n- not critically uh financially it did well but critically it didn't do that well mm. and um it's funny because the these two have a very strange relationship in that they they don't really talk to each other <laughs> like 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 they use people to like pass on messages to the other person that is so passive <laughs> i mean you know miyazaki calls himself a pacifist it's yeah. um he just doesn't like conflict it sounds like yeah um i mean especially with his son because he does feel that you know i guess later in his life he felt that he wasn't there and that he could have done something to be there for him he's guilty yeah yeah but uh uh that's enough of that let's 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 go back to (laughs) yeah i know wind rises wind rises right so uh mizaki was planning a ponyo sequel but uh toshino suzuki who is the um pro producer for these films he suggested that they do a film of of the wind rises and Miyazaki wasn't convinced at first, but he he read a quote from Jiro Horikoshi, um, who we'll talk about later. But his quote was, "All I wanted to 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 do was to make something beautiful," and that's referring to the planes, the um, Mitsubishi A6M fighters that were used in World World War Two. Hmm. So so. That quote is um, basically the in- inspiration for him for this movie, and mm. this film is basically a fictionalized biopic. It's it's not accurate history, and a lot of it is is completely made up and fabricated. So, mm. yeah. But the plot for this movie is not based on real life, but more so based on a 1937 novel called The Wind Has Risen by Tatsuo Hori. And the events in this book, and subsequently the movie, is largely based on this author's life. And much like the the uh, movie, his wife uh, tragically, you know, fell ill and died only after a year of marriage. So, um, wow. Yeah, tragic. Uh, do you want to talk about the plot or? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> this is about a young man named Jiro Horikoshi, who had the dream after, I think, um, graduating from engineering school 
to engineer planes. That was his goal in life. He lives in Japan during the time of World War I and World War II, and his job is to build and design planes for the wars. And they are far behind in Japan as far as technology because they're so isolated, you know, they're on an island. So he has to travel to Germany and then to a bunch of other places. And so he meets his future wife um, who he had met in the beginning during a huge earthquake, which the earthquake scene is really cool. And um, as I've stated many times, they're in the ring of fire. They have all kinds of crazy natural disasters that happen. They have flooding, they have earthquakes, they have volcanoes, they have monsoons, they have um, tsunamis, they got everything. Everything's just trying to kill everybody on Japan, in Japan. And um, he saves this young girl and his mother, or her mother, who later dies of tuberculosis. So speed forward, uh, probably 20, 20 years, 10 years, maybe, into the future. After uh, Jiro has graduated, he's got a great job. He stumbles upon this girl that he saved 10 years ago. And they fall in love. And he finds out that she has tuberculosis. They get married. And Jiro designs his plane. And she dies. Yeah, and much like Mizaki's story, uh, he wasn't there with with her in her final moments um but uh but the interesting part about the making of, of this film is that um during uh, uh there was a 2011 earthquake that <clears throat> that uh took out you know dozens of or or, or hundreds of, of houses mm. leveling them and Mizaki actually uh, visited this place to send his con condolences and it reminded him of his child childhood when when the bombings happened and mm. it looked just like it and that sort of gave him the push um, to uh, give this movie justice and to portray it accurately. Mm. But um, let's see. What, what was your last thing that you said? So um, his wife uh, dies. Right, right. Uh, I have a note about that. So there was this quote in the movie. I don't remember exactly how, uh, how it went, but basically someone told told, told him that, um, you know, do you want to work on these planes because of your... Oh. Ego oh, yeah. I have that exact quote. Okay. I went back and I looked it up because I was so inspired by it. Let me read it to you. Okay. And I'm going to tell you exactly where it's at because um, I'm a fan of this movie specifically because of this quote and everything else that involves in this. Okay. So at 5425 in the movie, you can see the very beginning of a new scene that involves Jiro falling asleep in his bed and he has a dream of him and this uh, Caprini engineer, this Italian engineer named Caprini 
who he frequently dreams about and kind of like uh, has like an artist crush on, I would say, you know, like he really is inspired by this engineer. And so he frequently dreams about him. But in this dream, he meets with Caprini and Caprini um, has this whole new plane out. He's like talking about it, this and that. They get on top of the plane and Caprini asks, um, well, he, he first off, he states that this is the last plane that he's ever going to design. And, you know, he's he's saying stuff about his plane and why he would want to design planes. And so Caprini asks, which would you choose? A world with pyramids or a world without? Humanity has always dreamt of flight, but the dream is cursed. My, an my aircraft is destined to become tools for slaughter and destruction. But still, I choose a world with pyramids in it. Which would you choose? And Jiro says, I want to create, I just want to create airplanes. And uh, Caprini says, you mean like that? And then this airplane that has not been fully designed is kind of like this dream that Jiro has that he's like trying to put together. It just kind of flies through and... Then Mr. Caprini goes on to say that artists are only created for 10 years. We engineers are the same. And like this whole line, this whole quote is so profound. And it's probably like the most profound, one of the most profound quotes in all of Miyazaki films. And to me, it was, it was kind of like a passing of the flag kind of thing. You know, like one artist to the next, you know, it's your turn now. That's a great quote, but um, that... Is that not the one that you were talking no. about? <laughs> no. It was like um, like someone was telling telling him that, uh, do you make planes because of your passion or your ego? And, and this is relevant because this was when his wife was sick and dying, and he didn't, like, he wasn't spending really any time with with her like he like he would leave for work come home and sleep leave and come back for sleep and she was basically all by herself in a quiet room for most of her final days and and uh and i felt kind of weird about that in that in that uh you know he had the rest of his life to work on planes but she had a limited time in her life Right, so I feel that she she should have spent more more time with her, and I think yeah. it was ego, like like he wanted to do it now. Hmm, that's interesting. But your quote was nice too. <laughs> Thanks. I know. I thought that was the same one you were going after. I was like, wait, it didn't say anything about ego, but it's kind of about that in in the kind of a sense, you know. Like, I think that's so cool because it's like, would you rather, Garrison? Would you rather have a world without pyramids or? with pyramids um, think about all the slaves hold on first off think about all the slaves that died making those pyramids before you answer i mean that's a, a tough question because you, you could say that without the, the pyramids other technical technological advances wouldn't have, have happened thus setting, setting us back thousands of years i, mean, I don't know i got i don't would know be, we... <laughs> what 
<laughs> would we be just like we would just be non-entities like i don't know if we would we'd be like living in the wild probably throwing mm. poop at each other <laughs> um perhaps but i will say that jordan uh jordan or joseph gordon levitt's acting was very not good in this you didn't like it no like like first off he kept saying yes sir I'm like someone can make a drinking game out of how many times he, he says yes sir <laughs> and, and, okay that's good but but it's just like okay so maybe it's because the characters they're not doing like fantastical things like they're just talking but even um... so it his the way he says it is it, just kind of like flat so this is not like the best movie for you like you did not care for this one well i think i said this okay so one of my notes is that when i was watching this i saw that i saw a tired old man at the end of his rope you know mm. that you know much like what we said with ponyo and that he was aging and he was weaker than what he was in his prime that's what I'm thinking, like, that whole quote about is with Caprini. It's like, you know, for him, this is his latter years. He's made how many movies uh, at this point? He's made... Who? Oh, Close uh, to... Was this, this his ninth or something? Ten? Yeah, close to ten movies. And they're all really big films. And, like, <clears throat> I think this was, like, his idea of, like, I need to pass the flag. This is This is the end of my ten years. You know, I'm. I need to do something else with my life. That's why I think this was so. It was good timing. Good timing. Yeah, for I the mean, end, like the way that this movie was portrayed, it was about death. It was about moving on. It was about not getting enough time with your loved ones, maybe, and yeah, being uh, an artist. Yeah. Um. In the ten years of Miyazaki doc documentary Miyazaki says um he says that I don't want to end on I don't want to end on trash like like he <laughs> like uh, you know like he wants to end on a high note yeah and what's interesting about The Wind Rises is that I kind of think that it comes full 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 circle in that um many of his movies dealt with aviation and flying and it's interesting that he would make a movie about aviation and flying <laughs> and creating and hmm. you know it it's a pretty much an all-encompassing work of hmm. Miyazaki in that it does feature flying it features war element or yeah war elements and um it, natural disasters mm -hmm. yeah, and definitely yeah and um disease and death mm -hmm. it's not as sad as the grave of the fireflies though guys this is actually a really like a kind of an upbeat story if you say so um you know they kind of glossed over the uh kamikazes and and the death and hey. <laughs> <laughs> fair point touche um any final thoughts on on this i'm glad that they were ending with this movie 
Oh, but we're not. We're not. We're going to be talking about that uh, later in some of our post post movie notes. But um, mm. yeah. But uh, we do have some controversy surrounding this movie. Did you know about this? Let's hear it. Um, many critiques inside and outside of Japan were not happy with this movie and believe that this film was like a was like a it was glorifying a a a terrible time in Japan no glorifying a creator of someone who who created a devastating weapon that killed hundreds or thousands of people um and also Japanese nationalists deemed him a traitor arguing uh, <laughs> uh um yeah so yes yeah, so they deemed him a tra- a traitor for arguing against reforming the uh, country's um constitutionally enshrined pacifism uh no mm. so um that and for some other stuff but yeah so basically Miyazaki be believe that reparations should be paid to comfort women which were essentially Korean and Chinese wartime sex slaves and hold on what hold on there's a lot that you just said there and back up (laughs) say what about sex slaves and comfort women yeah so Mizaki wanted reparations to be paid to comfort women which is a name for uh, Korean and Chinese wartime sex slaves um, during uh, this time, during you know the the trials with like China and Japan. Uh, that's why. That's partly why the Japanese nationalists deem him a traitor, hmm. and also for wanting to keep the uh, keep the Japanese pacifists uh, way and not uh, escalate into war. And and also partly because, like we mentioned in the first episode, his father built parts for um, planes uh, during the during the wartime. So Miyazaki has stated himself that he's felt like he has mixed feelings about this, in that he he wants to like he's anti-war, but. He's like redeeming his father, maybe. Perhaps, perhaps. that's that's interesting. Yeah, perhaps. Hmm. But here's a quote from like they're not Mi- all bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's a quote from Miyazaki about uh, what the Japanese nationalists said: "We need to liberate our children from nationalism. The nationalistic view suggests the problem in the world. Uh, yes, suggests the problems in the world." come from the multi-ethnicity it creates a possibility for the country we love to turn into something negative for the world as a whole this is a lesson we learned from from the past war and which we cannot forget hmm. yeah so powerful um, yeah so it's in, it's interesting that he's anti-nationalist because when i was watching this I kind of felt that he was a Japanese nationalist because of the way, because of this major hard-on that he has for, for, for this wartime uh, plane. Plane guy. Plane guy. Yeah. Plane engineer. Yeah. Um, but it turns out, you know, he's he's a uh, he's a cool guy. He, he's all right. Huh. 
He's not bad. <laughs> He's... <laughs> so, I think that's it for The Wind Rises. Yeah. Um, that's it for The Wind Rises. Uh, should we just, like, talk about some of his retirement stuff that he's done or yeah yeah okay um so Miyazaki uh expressing his displeasure with the lack of childcare facilities in in Tokyo he creates a nursery for young children it's very nice of him and um yeah so in, in September of 2013 which was shortly after the wind rises he expressed his retirement but he will continue work in the museum hmm. and in this time he created like around like around 2017 2018 he created world the caterpillar which was a 14 minute uh computer animated short which is only at the museum yet again uh it would be really cool to get some some of these exclusive shorts but we cannot nobody yeah. yeah nobody's sharing that that's okay you can keep it in your country that's fun more reason to go visit and you see i've added some images of this short film and, and it looks really good like it it has a great blend of 2d and 3d elements and mm -hmm. it looks like um like a mix between like spirited away and uh laputa but it's about this little caterpillar mm. but, and it's super cute and um miyazaki has another feature filmed plan that they're working on right now called how how do you live that's planned for a 2020 21 release that's next year or the year after sure <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it for Ponyo, Howl's Moving Castle, and The Wind Rises. Next week, we will be covering a film that we have not gotten a chance to cover this month because we've been so busy with the month of Miyazaki, which is The Lion King, the new 2019 release. Look forward to seeing you then. And please share us with your friends and family as we would love to continue this podcast about your favorite animations. All of the information here is researched by Sarah and Garrison, and this podcast is produced and edited by Sarah Zadri. Special thanks to Joshua Phillips for the theme music. All while doing our research, we come across some amazing little videos and shots about the process of animation and we will be happy to share this information with you on our site, www.podsaga.com. And if you have any questions about the animations we will be covering, please don't hesitate to ask. Thank you and have a good day.